This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 27, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. When we give the corporate world our data, the deal we cut with them about how that data will be used is not very clear. Bruce Schneier is a security guru who blogs at Schneier on Security. We spoke during the Cato Institute's conference on surveillance last month. When it comes to privacy, just as a notion... What are some of the big unanswered questions about that that we're really just beginning to touch on? You know, we're learning what it's like to live in a world of ubiquitous surveillance where we're carrying cell phones and we're tracked all the time, where all of our interests are collected by Google, where all of our friends are collected by Facebook. And I don't think we know as a society what that means. And we know what it means in the small but not in the large. And we've never seen a society like this before. It's based on technology and it's all new. So long-term effects of this, I think, are very much up in the air. And we're going to learn in the coming decades what it means to run for president and have all your writings from the fourth grade made public or to you know, be in a relationship and be able to look at the transcripts of your arguments from 10 years ago. I mean, th- these are weird things or, or meet someone, be able to quickly look them up in the database. This has been science fiction stuff and it's going to be real. and and. We're not good at predicting what that'll mean socially. And you're talking about the types of surveillance that we sign on to voluntarily for the most part. Now, voluntarily is a bad word. Uh, we sign on to it, but I don't think we sign on to it knowingly. Okay. I mean, we, we don't go into the bargain eyes open. You know, we don't. You know, we might know in the back of our head that for a cell phone to ring, it has to know where you are, but we don't think of it as a tracking device. We don't really think about Google as a surveillance company. I mean, these things happen in the background. And what we're learning from a lot of studies is that because surveillance isn't salient, because it's not something in the forefront, that people largely forget about it. And certainly the companies like it that way. I mean, they don't want you to think that this data is being collected about you and is going to be used for advertising purposes or, or, or whatever. So. I think if people understood it fully, they'd be making different bargains. So how do we clarify that bargain? I think we need to make surveillance salient, that we need people to understand the bargain, that what they're giving up when they get a free service. This is difficult. You know, we know from psychology that the point of purchase is sort of a terrible time to elicit preferences, that a whole lot of, of biases are, are at their strongest in the moment and that it's only in reflection that you get really what people people want. So I think we need to sort of make decisions as society of, of what we want to do. There's not, there's not a conversation about norms, about what's proper behavior on the internet by individuals, by companies, by governments. We just go on what's possible and what's legal, not what's what's right. I think those conversations are coming, but not not probably the next five, 10 years. I think we need another generation of, of people in power to really have those deep conversations about what kind of society we want to build. Here in the information age where everything is information, it has a lot of value, but it's very personal. How do we extract the value while maintaining the personal dignity? Is, is there anybody who is at the same time trying to sell us stuff who is uh, at least trying to keep that at the forefront? You know, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think companies are still punch drunk on data. I mean, the big data has been a huge, huge industry of, of hype and promise. And the promise is save everything. 
about your customers, about your company, about your processes. It's so cheap to save. Save it all, and eventually you'll figure out how to monetize it. You know, we're starting to learn that a lot of the data is really useless. And I think companies are learning slowly that data can be a toxic asset. You know, we just had a, a, a data breach at T-Mobile. It was a, a data breach was at Experian, which is a data broker, but the data stolen was T-Mobile data, T-Mobile customer data that T-Mobile used to uh, give customers accounts. Now, if you think about it, T-Mobile didn't need to save that data afterwards. They could have thrown it away. Right? It wouldn't have cost them anything. It wouldn't have hurt them at all. But because it's, you know, you might as well save it, they saved it. And that turned out to be a huge liability. Data is actually a toxic asset. It has some value, some of it, but it can be really costly. And that mindset change, I think, will do an enormous amount to change how corporations surveil us, because they won't save everything. And that won't change until people care about whether or not their stuff's being saved? I think that that's certainly a part of it. I mean, a good example might be Waze, you know, the app that uh, tells you about traffic. Waze is a great app. I use it to drive around all the time. But it's an app fundamentally based on surveillance. Right? Waze works because everyone using Waze is under surveillance, and Waze can figure out their speeds and compare it to the best speeds and know what kind of traffic is, is, is where. Now, that data is valuable, and I, I love that it's being collected, but it's only valuable for what? A minute? Two minutes? After that, you can safely toss it. But you have to recognize that, that saving it is bad. And that'll either happen through people saying, hey, don't save that, and there being market alternatives, which you know, is probably not going to happen soon, or, or the regulation that'll say, you can't save this data. You can't use it for these purposes. You know, really, we're in a world where, where the market possibilities are filling everything, and there's no dampening of that yet. You know, I see a lot of market failures in the internet that I see role for government. And I know that's not the right thing to say in a, a Cato interview, but I think it's real important to recognize what government is good at and bad at and, and try to get them to do the things they're good at. One solution might be more data breaches that anger the public and cause corporations to say, well, we're going to have to start throwing stuff away. But I fear that that same impulse would be the one to say, tell the government, the government needs to get involved here and fix these processes. And, and at least historically, the government hasn't been very good at uh, setting those kinds of rules. Now, I mean, they're good when they regulate outcomes and not processes. Now, you don't want the government to come in and fix the process. You want the government to say, look, this is illegal, right? Murder is illegal. Burglary is illegal. Certain child labor is illegal. Yeah, we know you like to uh, hire children because they're cheaper. You're just not allowed to do that. We as society are drawing a line. This is immoral. There are data practices that in 20 years will be viewed as immoral. So how do you view this uh, idea of the right to be forgotten? This is an interesting question. And the center of it is a for-profit company that's going to control your reputation. Right? Your reputation, your resume is fundamentally your top 10 hits on Google. That's what it is. So what does it mean when a company has that kind of power? I think the right to be forgotten is a first kind of ham-handed attempt to, to redress that. I don't think the details make sense, and we could argue about you know, how it should work, but I think it's an important question to ha conversation to have, that we're living in a world where we're defined by our data, which means those that control our data have an ability to define us. 
And with that awesome power comes awesome responsibility. And this might be an area where government needs to get involved somehow. So I don't like the, the details of the European law, but I like that someone's thinking about this as a, a problem. Bruce Schneier writes at Schneier on Security. You can watch the full Cato Institute conference on surveillance at cato.org.